Hey, this is Sandra. This is Jess. And this is Emily. And you are listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast. Welcome back. We are back with the bits for Swan Song, the episode where Jess gets in a fight with a swan and Luke gives really good advice. And well, Sandra, why don't you summarize it for us? (laughs) Oh, exciting. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Just count me down. Ready? No, I'm not ready. I have the wrong uh, word (laughs) document up. I would have done last week's episode. Or that the last one I did. Oh my god, you would have you would okay. have definitely failed if you had done that. <laughs> yeah, the wrong I definitely would have. <laughs> okay, I'm ready okay. this time. Three, two, one, go. Rory has to introduce Jess to Emily, but first spends her afternoon watching Miss Patty with Dean, causing some jealousy from Jess, who declares he wants to punch him, which makes it all the more awkward when he arrives late to dinner with a black eye, presumably from a fight and definitely not from a swan. Rory can't let it go, and the couple fight. Meanwhile, Lorelai went to a horrible Broadway play with Alex, Suki, and Jackson and worries about Rory and Jess taking the next step, which she shouldn't have because Jess doesn't even stay for dinner. Except then the couple do make up and Rory admits she's thinking about it. Also, Lane and Dave hide their relationship from two morons <laughs> i mean other than the two morons i think you got it i mean lane and dave hide their relationship period yeah that would be the end of the sentence too <laughs> i'm please let me have that i think that's a success there was so I, I think that's good Thank you yeah i tried so hard i reworked that so many times I'm I'm glad that you got the bit in there about Brian and Zach, because if you guys listened to the last episode, we did kind of roast those doofuses, <laughs> because they deserved it. Just real quick, did you say doofuses or two bitches? <laughs> Pretty doofuses. sure doofuses. I have, okay. I have not yet said bitches on this show. <laughs> this is the second time I have been... I have been bitch shame for not even saying bitch <laughs> it really sounded like you said that, that when i say it though. i'll make sure to enunciate we count now how many cool. times jess says bitch in an episode <laughs> bitch count <laughs> it's a clean podcast except for jess just says bitch all the time <laughs> guys it's late we have been it is uh, late We've been podcasting for a long time. Uh, Sandra, why don't you jump into the references for the week? Sure. Weekly references with Sandra. Weekly references with Sandra. Okay. So for references this week, I'm actually going to do something a little different because I want to open up the floor to you guys and get your take on the title of the episode. So just to reiterate, the title is Swan Song. Mm -hmm. So at first glance, I mean, it's a joke, right? About just being beat. But Swan Song, the phrase, also has another meaning. It comes from the ancient Greek, and it is a phrase for a final gesture, effort, or performance given just before death or retirement. 
The phrase refers to an ancient belief that swans sing a beautiful song before their death since they've been silent for most of their lives. This has been debated, and uh, we have learned that swans are usually more distinguishable during courting rituals rather than death itself, but the, the phrase is held, especially in part to artists, so like a singer's last performance before their death or retirement would be called a swan song. So keeping that all in mind, I want to talk about how this fits within the episode. So, swan song, it's the ending of something, or the beginning of the end of something. What are we thinking here? I'll let you go, I mean, it's definitely the swan song for Alex, unfortunately. Definitely, 100. I wonder if they knew that at the time. Like, if they knew this was going to be his last episode. Yeah, I would think so, because, like, they do contracts and Mm -hmm. stuff. It was probably a three-episode contract, which you would think that they would, like end his arc nope (laughs) yeah they only get three episodes but you know whatever well here's some facts we're currently on episode 14 and we spoiler alert by episode 22 rory and jess are broken up this episode seems like we start the decline of the mountain that is jess and rory we're on the other side of the peak here Mm -hmm. we're just going downhill at this point i agree to me, this is the beginning of the end of Jess and Rory. We mm-hmm. have a couple of sweet moments here and there, but bigger issues are shown. And then we hit the Keg Max episode, which is a mm-hmm. clear issue shown. And then mm-hmm. kind of down from there. It's like they don't really have any really great points from here on out. I don't remember. There's a concert, but it comes after the fact. We never see the concert, and it comes yeah. We never after see the concert. Fight, and Rory brings it up when she's venting to Lorelai that she's kind of ashamed that she even went. And it that episode yeah, ends with her not addressing her grievances with Jess. So I think this was the way the writers kind of gave a hint that uh, Rory and Jess are on the way out. We barely got them in the way in, and they're already kind of exiting. Fun fact, this is not Jared Padalecki's only TV series with an episode of Swan Song. I mean, there was 15 years of Supernatural, so like... (laughs) There was like 10 Swan Songs. It's funny how big of a part of Gilmore Girls the Jess-Rory relationship is when you really look at how short it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's... I mean, that's the title of the episode... Obviously, um, we as a podcast love Jess and Rory. But you couldn't tell. Yeah. um, Get ready for less Jess and Rory to come, unfortunately. Um, So I know we just talked about the title and I haven't really done any specific references. So I just want to do three quick fire ones real quick. So first up, I mentioned last week we are going to talk about it. Uh, Rory tells Lorelai to wear a bunny ranch shirt. Right. Yes. And I, we had previously talked about the chicken ranch, which is, if you don't remember, a brothel in Nevada. Well, the bunny ranch is another brothel <laughs> in Nevada. How many are there? Uh, well, I looked at some of the names, and here are three of the three that I thought were really funny. Uh, first up, Sue's Fantasy Club. Lovely. The Kit Kat Guest Ranch. 
And finally, Inez's D&D bar, which is not a Dungeons and Dragons themed brothel. I wish it would have been. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, but I can't tell you what it actually stands for because it's kind of gross. So you can look it up if you like to. But like, just know that I was very disappointed. We also have Miss Patty talking about Beantown. Beantown is Boston. It's mm-hmm. Boston. Um, it refers to the regional dish of Boston baked beans that was especially popular in the colonial days. And my last quickfire reference is Ben and J-Lo. Just because it's really funny. Um, when so this relevant. aired in 2003, Benifer was everywhere. Magazines, newspapers. I'm assuming online, but also it was 2003. So, I don't know. Definitely Yahoo? online. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Yahoo and AOL. It was live journal. <laughs> yeah. But they actually broke up in December of 2003. So, that year. This episode came out in February of 2003. So, about. Oh, God. I can do math. Ten months later, um, they broke up. And within six months, she was married to Mark Anthony, and within a year, he was married to Jennifer Garner. Um, And that's maybe where the story should have ended, but or could have ended. But as we all know, J-Lo and Ben got back together last year and got married this year. So it's a topical reference, both then and now. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly, right around the same time that she did this movie about getting married, which I saw, it was pretty cute. Oh my god, I saw it too and I hated it. That's uh, with Owen Wilson, right? Yeah, it was fine. But anyways, uh, those were my quickfire references and a little discussion on the title. But up next, we have a book and also a play with Emily. Books, movies, and music with Emily. So we do have one super obvious book this week. Uh, And in terms of pretentious, obscure books, I have to say Rory has outdone herself. This book, it is The Holy Barbarians by Lawrence Lipton, originally published in 1959. It has nothing other than a quick blurb on all of the pages it's for sale. There's no Wikipedia page, nothing about the author. Like, this book just does, it It exists, but there is nothing about it. There's no reviews about it past, like, Amazon and Goodreads. I was amazed. What's interesting is that in the show itself, the book doesn't look new. Oh, no. It looks tattered and, it's like, been beat up. very used. Like, mm-hmm. its heart, its paper cover is hanging on by a thread. Maybe a piece of scotch tape. So I wonder how much that book is worth. I don't know. Like, it seems super rare. The ones that came up, like, when I when I searched it, none of them looked like mm-hmm. the cover that Rory has. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The Wikipedia page for Lawrence Lipton is small enough that, like, a whole paragraph was about the reference in Gilmore Girls. Oh. <laughs> uh, the book itself is the first complete and unbiased survey of the beat generation and its role in our society. So Lipton presents a picture of their way of life, their individual backgrounds, the languages they have appropriated, and terms made clear for the first time to those of us who have been confused and puzzled about them. He also provides a balanced discussion of their literature, art, music, and what they produce and fail to produce in the arts they practice. A little bit about Lawrence Lipton, because Jess mentions it. He began his career as a graphic artist and won an award for his illustration of a version of the Haggadah, 
the Passover Cedar liturgical text. He did also write for the Atlantic Monthly, the Quarterly Review of Literature, and the Chicago Review. He did appear in the 1960s horror movie, The Hypnotic Eye, as King of the Beatniks. In reference to what Jess Jess says about him, he says something about, like, that he's the father of James Lipton, who is the host and creator of Inside the Actor Studio. And he's like, oh, it's weird that a beatnik would have such a conservative son. Well, apparently Lawrence Lipton abandoned James and his mother when James was only six years old. Hmm. So, probably not hard to not pass your ideals on when you abandon your family. That's kind of it for that book. (laughs) So, (laughs) a lot of the reviews on Amazon were pretty positive and basically said, hey, this is a very informative book about the Beatniks. It was a good read. It got a little dry in the middle, but past that, like, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Nothing crazy. Nothing that made me think, oh, okay, you have opinions. (laughs) So that was the Holy Barbarians. Oh, there is also a band that named themselves after this book. Wow. Are they good? They were not. Okay. So I think they came out with one album and that was it. Okay. And it wasn't even like a one hit wonder kind of thing. It was like a garage band and then they just kind of (laughs) fell apart. Ah, the poor holy barbarian. Yep. (laughs) So, the play we're going to do... So, as Alex and Lorelai and Suki or Jackson are leaving Lovettown, Alex says, I saw moose murders. This was worse. (laughs) I had to look it up. I was so curious. Yeah. So, Moose Murders is a play written by Arthur Bicknell. It premiered and closed on February 22nd, 1983. It only had one one day run. Oh, yikes. The, oh, it gets better. The play itself is about the Holloway family arriving at the Wild Moose Lodge, which they have just purchased in the Adirondack Mountains. Adirondack. Okay, those ones. In those mountains. I can, I can, (laughs) and there's chairs named after him. Oh, my God. Yep. (laughs) So, Snowstorm comes in and the family is trapped in this lodge with three other people. Nurse... Dagmar, who cares for Sydney Holloway, the patron of the family, who is apparently a vegetable, and then two other random people, Snooks and Howie Keen, failed entertainers who worked at the lodge before the Holloways purchased it. So for the evening, the group passes the time playing a murder mystery game, which I'm assuming has some kind of tie-in. But during the night, one of the Holloway sons attempts to sleep with his mother. And not Whoa. not, oh, not take a, a nap turn. sleep, but like sleep sleep. And then several people are murdered. Because of it? Or whether, whether those two things are linked, I don't know. I don't know. Oh my okay. gosh. Okay. Uh, so Alex saw the one performance <laughs> in 1983. Right? Wait a second. Right? Was he a child? Right? How much older was he? Was he like a little kid? I don't know. When was Lorelai born? So I think it's kind of decided Rory's born around what? 84? 85? 83? So let's let's give Alex like five years on Lorelai. Let's say he could be up to five years older than her. He would have been born in 1963. So he would have been 20? Okay. Okay. 
Could have been a young okay. man in the city. Yep. Trying to impress somebody. Seeing Moose murders. Might have have won free tickets. It's kind of the Mm. only time to go. Well, um, when you're that young and you have a, and you're in college, your college ID gives you discounts on Broadway plays. So, so there is also a review which describes a scene in which a mummified paraplegic, presumably Sydney, rises from his wheelchair to kick a man dressed as a moose in the crotch. What? Uh, supposedly. Wait, there's a man dressed like a moose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is he is he canonically a man wearing a moose costume, or is no. he an actor portraying a moose? No. <laughs> I have this oh, followed no. up with why is there a man dressed as a moose? Is he actually a moose? Why does he get kicked? I have so <laughs> many questions about that one sentence. Oh my god. Apparently that scene does not appear in the original script. How it was added? It was like what, improv? I I, I don't know. The actors just knew it was bombing know. and they were trying to do anything. <laughs> Emily, why don't you know? This because like, I didn't get to see I it. I need to see this. So, Frank Rich, I'm pretty I think he was the one that actually made that comment about the mummified kicking a moose. He also says there will now always be two groups of theater goers in this world. Those who have seen Moose Murders and those who have not. A visit to Moose Murders is what will separate the connoisseurs of Broadway disaster from mere dilettantes for many moons to come. He also said even Act 1 of Moose Murders is inadequate preparation for Act 2. Oh, man. I just want to see this. Yeah. Brennan Gill, art critic for The New Yorker, said, This would insult the intelligence of an audience consisting entirely of amoebas. Oh, wow. John Simon, theater critic, Selective patrons cannot even imagine what horrors reviewers are exposed to night after nightmarish night. But it only ran one night. <laughs> I guess it was probably, maybe it was in previews. I, I would, that's my only maybe. guess is previews. How did it make it through previews is what I want to know. Oh, my gosh. Clive Barnes of the New York Post said, This is so indescribably bad that I do not intend to waste anyone's time by describing it. Oh, my God. I feel like I got to get my hands on a script. I like this was one line and now I am hooked. I want to know. I want to see a bad high school production of Moose Murders. You might get your wish. I don't have anything recent, but apparently people keep trying to revive it. There are many community oh. theaters over the years who have staged this play. Oh my gosh. I feel like Portland would totally do that. I gotta put my put a Google right? alert up. <laughs> In 2008, John Borek, a part-time conceptual artist, that is self-described job, began holding staged readings, hoping it would find new life as a work of art. This did lead to him having articles in the New York Times and in Spain's El Pais, P-A-I-S. Yeah. It also did have a two-week run, the staged reading, at New York City's Beautiful Soup Theater Collective in January of 2013. I'm sorry, but I am looking this up as well. And I just found out one of the cast members is Holland Taylor. Do you guys know who Holland Taylor is? No. I don't think I do. 
I remember reading. You will as soon as you see her face. Like, pull it up on, on Google. She's dating Sarah Paulson. Oh, damn. I do know oh, who yeah. Holland Taylor is. She's, like, super fancy. Uh, she looks like somebody who would be in Moose Murders, though. Tell me she doesn't. What so does that mean? One of, uh, <laughs> I remember one of the reviews said something about, like, the entire cast of this show is going to get famous just strictly for being in this absolutely horrible show. Or something oh along those lines. They're all going to, they were all going to have some two-bit celebrity status just from being in that show. Incredible. So, all this to say... The play was bad and is now considered the standard of awfulness against which all Broadway failures are judged. So if you're better than Moose Murders, at least you're not Moose Murders. I have a little bit more. Can I add this? Please do. Okay. So like you said, the wealthy Holloway family, Father Sidney, Mother Hita, and children Lorraine, Lorraine, Stinky, and Gay. (laughs) Flatterwink all over again. <laughs> uh, Stinky is the one that wants to sleep with his mom. Stinky would. Yeah. Uh, and then also uh, Lorraine's husband, the caretaker, are also there when they arrive. Unfortunately, Snooks Keen and her blind husband, Howie, are still living there and have yet to get to vacate as, lo- as well as the lodge's former caretaker, Joe Buffalo Dance. Is he the moose? His name is Joe Buffalo Dance. I feel like he's the moose. Uh, and he has a baffling combination of appropriative face paint and an Irish accent. Don't know what that means. He's absolutely the oh. moose. I don't know. Um, but I just assume. Wait, starting with Lorraine. Does he have, Car- like, blackface? I don't know. Oh, my God. Um, starting with Lorraine. Characters are killed off one by one as the remaining cast members try to figure out. Ultimately, uh, I don't want to spoil this, so spoiler. But ultimately, it's Hida, who is in love with her now dead daughter's husband, who was also pretending to be in love with the nurse, who meets her and when Sydney rises from her coma, from his coma, to shoot her and then immediately drops dead. Also, there's a moose that eats people. (laughs) There we go. Moose that eats people. So it is a moose. It is a moose. We have figured it out. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, I know what I'm putting on my Christmas list this year. I want the Moose Murder script. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I'm amazing. still not convinced it's supposed to be an actual moose. <laughs> it's just someone dressed as a moose. I would believe that much over anything else. Oh, that's okay. amazing. Um, thank you so much for sharing that, Emily. Yeah, so that's Moose Murders. Uh, Jess, I don't know how you're going to top this with fashion, but here's Jess with fashion. (laughs) Making fashion choices, making fashion choices, making fashion choices with Jess. Man, I feel like maybe fashion should come first because I am always (laughs) up against some tough material. Um, But speaking of tough material, I feel like we had a couple of real whack decisions as always, first outfit, I just gotta say, I think some people will probably like it. I thought that Lorelai's shirt that she wore to the first Friday night dinner, just a weird choice. It's this 
kind of uh, marled, burnout, blue long sleeve shirt with like a fishnet chest? I don't know. It doesn't feel like a Friday night dinner outfit to me. It feels like a date night with jeans kind of outfit. I just, it just stood out so much as like a, what is that item of clothing? I also have to call out Lorelai's outfit for the show. Um, she wants to go out shopping to get a new outfit for this. She does wear the cashmere coat, which is what Luke had recommended. And when she's telling uh, Rory what she's wearing to the show, she says, my cashmere coat, a dress, and a hat. And I'm thinking, okay, she's wearing a winter hat. No, Lorelai is wearing a black bucket hat with a very loud floral applique. This is an ASP hat. Absolutely. This, this is, is 100% an Amy Sherman Palladino hat. I, it just like, and you look around at all the other people that have gone to the show and like none of them are wearing anything that looks like this. It just stands out as like, costume, I'm wearing a hat. I just thought it was really silly, which is fine. If that's ASP's thing, do it, girl. Like, I feel like I saw her at, like, the Oscars. Not the Oscars. <laughs> I guess it would be the Golden Globes or something. Wearing that exact a bucket hat. hat. Maybe yeah. she did. She is all about a black hat. It just looks It just looks so bizarre. And, like, you guys know, I am not anti-bucket hat. I have I have come to bat for bucket hats in the past. I just think this particular outfit, the bucket hat's not doing her any favors. I also want to touch on... The last outfit we see Lorelai in, which is the return of what I am now naming the Cowardly Lion Coat. Um, We see it on her again, and in my notes, I just wrote this and I had to share it. It's like Shearling's cousin, if that cousin was Rune. (laughs) (laughs) I just really (laughs) don't like this. Every time I see it, it says, Children's Theater Production of Wizard of Oz. However, we do have a similar colored item in this episode, which is Rory's midi skirt that we see her in around the patty scene. And there's something about this outfit that I really appreciate. They're doing something really different with Rory here, where she has this midi skirt, and it's either like a, like a velvet or a suede? Um, a suede or a corduroy kind of fabric. But it's definitely midi, and she has these tall, flat boots. I almost Mm -hmm. think that they might be some kind of, like, tall moccasin-style boot. And she is wearing it with her shearling jacket. Uh, I think an episode or two ago, we had a discussion about her green shearling versus her brown shearling. Turns out they're the same shearling. They just look completely different in different lights. Because she wears this same jacket in a later scene, and it's very green, but it looks very brown oh, to me in this. I still don't think this is the same jacket. The seams are different from what I remember. So, but in this episode, it shows up in two different lights, and it's the same because it has the same little collar okay. taggy thing. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I went back, and because I was like, it looks like two different jackets. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same jacket. Also, last episode, I did discuss um, all of Lorelai's items of clothing that Luke lists out, and I just feel like I have to give another fashion shout-out to Luke in that moment, because he remembers her clothes better than I do. (laughs) And then I also wanted to mention one item that we didn't see that I was kind of surprised about. 
Uh, and that's the Spice Girls necklace that is referenced during the outfit planning discussion between Rory and Lorelai. She says she's going to wear the Spice Girls necklace on Sunday because Alex and she have agreed to keep it whimsical. And yet, when she arrives home, there is not a Spice Girls necklace to be found. I was really hoping to see what that was because I couldn't picture it. I would love a Spice Girls necklace. It's just like a pendant of baby spice. Just like right? a disco just like ball. Something. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think if I was going to have to pick a best dressed, it would honestly be outdoor version of Rory with the shearling and the brown skirt. Because unfortunately, when she takes the shearling off and she's back home studying, I don't love the shirt on its own. Both she and, and Lorelai have made decisions to wear bold chest pieced tops today. And in this case, Rory's shirt is long sleeve and it's blue and then it's got this brown collar, um, kind of like a deep collar that's all laced up. And I almost feel like maybe there's some symbolism going on here with Rory being kind of tight laced or straight laced at the beginning of this episode. And then when we see her at the end, she's got her hair down, all curly and wavy, and she's letting loose a little bit, or she's ready to let loose. That's me stretching. But I think also, you know, sometimes I say, you know, costume informs character, and there could be a little bit of that. We see her very buttoned up here, and then she's more willing to open up towards the end of the episode. So I'm going to continue to hate on Lorelai's brown fuzzy coat. I just can't not do it. Um, I really like the change for Rory. The hair we mentioned in the last episode, she has curled hair throughout. It looks great. And it's really fun to see something different on Rory. Although we have been loving her straight middle parted hair she's been doing. Mm -hmm. I think the makeup is another big player in this. She just looks more grown up. Both of them look a lot more polished. Uh, And Sandra already mentioned the Bunny Ranch tee, which was the other one I had in my notes because... Why not wear a brothel shirt? Apparently, Lorelai is super pro-sex worker, and I support that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Anything I missed that you guys loved or hated? Um, can I tell you my weakness in boys? Whenever sure. they wear a hoodie and then a jean jacket over it. Oh, it's a good look. <laughs> it's such a good look. It's a good look. It was unjust. I mean, <laughs> of unsurprisingly. Yeah. The only thing I noticed wasn't is I don't even know if this counts as fashion or not, but it's Rory's hair. As beautiful as it is, there are a couple scenes where you can tell that they clearly recorded on different days. So, like in the scene where she's with Jess and they're talking about the book, and then later in the day, um, her hair goes from a tight ponytail to she's redone it and has like wisps and like kind of thick bangs mm-hmm. pulled down on the front. And then later at the end of the episode, the hair, when she is talking to Jess and they're kind of apologizing to each other, her curls are a lot tighter than the five minutes later when she gets home and has her discussion with Rory. Yeah, I do. Or with Lorelai. Yeah, with Rory. The c- c- conversation like she has with herself, yes. I feel like that's one of the tricky things about when they start moving into the more curled styles. Absolutely. Because you know, if they just have straight hair... It's going to look the same from scene to scene. There's going to be that consistency. As soon as you start adding more elements, you know, be it jewelry, accessories, different hairstyles, Mm -hmm. it gets harder and harder. And that's why on most shows they take Polaroids of the cast so that they can compare them against that Polaroid, you know, to make sure that they look the same across different days of shooting. Mm -hmm. But 
when you're doing as much shooting as these guys were, you know, everybody knows Go War Girls shot Fast and Furious, right? Yep. They had a lot of dialogue to cover. Sometimes things kind of slip. And, and you'll definitely notice it with the curled hair. I'm, I just want to throw, I'm not trying to complain about it by any means, honestly, oh, if no, I yeah. wasn't looking. My mind, I know a lot of people can curl their hair with their straightener. I can't do that. Oh, I, I used to be able to. I can't do that <laughs> because if I do that, the left side and the right side are never the same. <laughs> that is the one downside. So, yeah. like, I can't complain against about a hairstylist not having the curls exact between days when I can't even get the same hair on my head the same. So. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, I can't handle the curls <laughs> on my head. Sandra's got naturally curly hair it's and beautiful. the rest of us just have to dream. Um, but that was fashion. And after fashion, we have Stars Hollow Speaks. Starting off for Stars Hollow Speaks, I stumbled across a couple Reddit comments recommending our podcast to some users on the Gilmore Girls subreddit. So just a shout out to um, just a shout out to this person who did it. She said, I re- or well, he, they, I really recommend Town Meeting as a rewatch podcast. I found through someone's comments here a while back and the ladies are so good and do so much research in advance. I swear they know more behind the scenes stuff than some other people. I will not claim that. We do not. But uh, we absolutely very, do not. Yeah. We, we, we just Google thank you the for show. We Google and we have random memories from articles we read in Teen Beat Magazine back in 2003. <laughs> oh you just reminded me of my uh full-on poster that i had of milo Heck yeah from oh one of those gosh. tv magazines i will say we probably know more about moose murders than any other gilmore girls podcast <laughs> this is true <laughs> and then a couple comments on our last episodes for a deep fried korean thanksgiving just aired just came out again we are i think we mentioned it but we're doing a marathon of recordings right now to get ahead for us but to earth from pluto said i've seen both the og gray gardens documentary and the hbo dramatization for me the actual issue isn't that the Maisels took advantage by filming the clearly unwell mother and daughter but that their family really did nothing to get them help and actively chose to keep them out of the public eye because they were an embarrassment and also facilitated the Maisels getting that close to the woman in the first place I can totally see that yeah. And we appreciate the context because none of us were really familiar with the the movie. Yes. We were just, you know, we knew about it through like pop culture osmosis, but it's nice to hear a more defined viewpoint on it. Absolutely. Guys, I try to do read and watch these movies and stuff, but honestly, it is hard. There are so many things. <laughs> But then also from Barely Bookish on our episode discussion for a deep fried Korean Thanksgiving is Rory poly- polyamorous. Whatever this is about, I'm here for it. <laughs> I so hope like- you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the thing. When we record episodes, I don't know about you guys, but once I record it, like it's gone, disappears from my it's mind. Gone. Right. It's yeah. gone. Right. And so when I saw this comment, I was just like, what? what is this about? <laughs> It wasn't until we were prepping for this, and I was like, oh my gosh, did you leave the thing about reverse harem in the episode? And Emily was like, I think so. Uh, So I just love that there are like hundreds of you out there who know what I say better than I do. So I personally, for me, when I am editing an episode, I take notes of what we talk about while I'm editing because I'm like, you guys, I it's it's out of my head. I have no idea. Yeah, we recorded that episode like a month ago. And speaking of, uh, you know, 
listeners knowing what we talk about more than we do. Uh, we also got a comment from Elle, um, and Elle just said, I hear you, also read it. And that was a response to me saying, sometimes it feels like we're just shouting into a void and every now and then a nice person says, I hear you. Um, so that was really sweet, Elle. Thank you. And sounds like she found us through Reddit because um, we had asked, how did you guys find us? So you're always welcome to share. We're always curious about where everybody found us. Absolutely. We also got a comment from Gabriella um, about this episode, and Gabriella said, I really like this episode. Rory and Lorelai's hair looks amazing. Yes. The cold open is great. Miss Patty's show is so amusing. Lane and Dave rambling about their plan to avoid Lane's mom. Luke knowing Lorelai's outfits by heart. Luke and his box of stuff to keep an eye on Rory and Jess. Luke making fun of Jess because of the swan story. All great content. I do think the last scene with them silently eating takeout while hugging is a bit weird. I think we kind of agree with all of that. Like, mm-hmm. that was honestly practically a 30-second summary right there. The entire Thank episode. You, Gabriella. you don't need to listen to it now. <laughs> um, but no, I think by the time we get to that final episode with Lorelai and Rory just sitting there silently eating takeout, like we talked about in that last episode, they're both so in their heads about the discussion that is just been had the discussion that is likely going to be had in the future mm-hmm. i've never been in that situation and i don't want to be but thank you gabriella for your comment and we also got a comment from give me my coffee who says and i think there was a typo here so i'm gonna say it how i think it's supposed to be rory was annoying as hell uh or she says rory was annoying as all and I don't know which one it is, but I'm I assuming think, oh, it's no. hell. Rory, yeah. No, Rory was annoying as all get out in this episode. Is that not oh, a phrase yeah. you guys have heard before? Oh, no, I've never heard this phrase. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe it's a... All get out. Okay. I was going to say know. maybe it's a Midwest thing. <laughs> Rory was annoying as all get out in this episode. Never heard this phrase before in my life. Um, <laughs> and for what it's worth, swans are jerks. Yes, yes they, they are. are. I think we, we've all um, talked about our hatred for uh They're just big pretty birds. geese. <laughs> I would also like to apologize if I offended anybody with my hate on Canadian geese. They are the devil's I don't spawn. think anyone's offended. Okay, but, <laughs> but there's an episode of Letter Kenny, and and he straight up says, if you have a problem with Canadian geese, you have a problem with me, because they're in Canada. So, uh, can I give my little, like, <laughs> fish and wildlife degree moment here? Yeah. They're just Canada geese. They're, they're not, not Canadian geese. Oh, they're I just Canada it. geese. <laughs> No, I mean, that's a very common okay. thing, but they're just Canada geese. <laughs> but anyways, thank you so much for giving me my coffee. And, um, okay, so here's the thing. I'm watch- I am watch with subtitles, with um, captions. Yes, me too. Right? And um, every time Zach comes up, I see it with a K, and I'm just like, I know it's canonically Zach with a K, but it feels like it should be an H. Right, so I put up this poll. It's the most pointless poll in the world <laughs> we've ever um, done. Just, <laughs> just asking people if uh, which one they prefer, the K or the H. And you know what? It was pretty close. But fifty four percent actually agree with me that it should be the H. And specifically, specifically, Chloe says, as someone who is Jewish, the Jewish slash correct way of spelling Zach is with it. the H. Right? Okay. I love that there's a wrong way. <laughs> I mean, 
I have known so many Zachs in my lifetime. I've known CKs. I've known CH. I've known just K. At one point, I knew a Q. Oh, Zach Efron. With a C. Yep. Lots of Zachs. But I do appreciate that there is like a traditional Zach as well. Um, Just real quick, this has nothing to do with anything, but can you repeat the name that you told us a previous friend of yours had? C-A-Q? No, no, no. Nick. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, in my in my class growing up, we had uh, a Nick with a silent K in the front. That is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and he, weird, I, I doubt he will ever listen to this. He was like kind of my first boyfriend, <laughs> like my first elementary boyfriend, Nick with a K. <laughs> Nick with a silent K. I absolutely hope we hear from him. I mean, he's doing really well, so I I hope he's doing something else with his life. <laughs> Shout out to Nick with a K. <laughs> and also, thank you to Chloe, because Chloe sent us a couple of videos Yay, right as we were yes. starting to record. And if we can get any of the audio from those videos, maybe we'll share it now. Editor Sandra here. Um, We tried really hard to get the audio, and I'm really sorry, but we were not able to. Instagram, unfortunately, deleted the videos after we watched them. But Chloe, thank you so much. We jump into it again in the actual discussion. But uh, thank you so much for sending those videos. We will definitely make sure next time to record the videos and be smart about it. But until then, Jess, why don't you pick it up again? And if not, sorry, sorry, we tried. (laughs) But thank you, Chloe. It was always really fun to see who our listeners are and to like connect faces with names. So that was really fun. Absolutely. Yeah, and she brings up the point that she's that she's 21 years old and, you know, a little bit of a different generation than us. And she has a little bit different thoughts because she's watched them on Netflix versus us who watched it live or on ABC Family later. Thank you for that. Like, uh, honestly, I love that. Yeah, the mm-hmm. different viewpoints. And then also, just as a reminder to everybody, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we are doing, like, a super recording event through the end of November, we might not always have Stars Hollow Speaks, but if you guys ever want to send us literally any thoughts on any episode in Season 3, that's what we will be recording to the end, too, for now. Any thoughts on any episode in Season 3, let us know, and we can put them in that episode. La, 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 And ending up the episode, um, rounding up the episode... Coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Here's the thing. Rory doesn't drink any coffee here. Yeah. Yeah, she's a big zero. But Lorelai has two cups of coffee. The first one is when she and Rory are talking about their schedule. And she has a mug. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. counting that as one. And the second one is when she goes to Luke's and demands coffee because she wants to go buy clothes. So Rory... This season really hasn't been a coffee girl. She hasn't really been in Luke's. We have, we thought yeah. she was going to be in Luke's more often well, and drink more coffee, but we were wrong. Let's be fair. She we were wrong. she's in Luke's apartment. <laughs> yeah, she's upstairs. <laughs> no coffee up there <laughs> with Jess. So interesting. I think next season, once we get the coffee cart, we'll get Rory up there again. But mm-hmm. until then, I feel like the rest of the season. Unless something major happens, Rory's going to be a. I'm going to disagree with you on season four. Oh, yeah? 
I don't think we're going to have okay. a whole lot of Rory coffee either. Because I don't remember seeing the coffee cart a whole lot. Until season five, maybe? Yeah. I, th- I, I think the coffee we'll cart is more of a, a, a Logan era. Okay. I'm just so excited for season four. <laughs> just in season four. It's my favorite. <laughs> but otherwise, any last thoughts on the episode? No, I think there's some great Luke and Jess moments. Mm-hmm. There's some weird moments all around. I love the Patty scene. Um, yeah. I'm, Not a skip episode for me. I will miss Alex. Yeah. R.I.P. Alex. We were, well. I hope that he like <laughs> created his whole, whole like coffee empire. Yeah. I hope and, that like, he took the mud house franchise. thing too. Yeah. I hope that he got that in the breakup. <laughs> Alex, I can't see you anymore, but you can have the name of the coffee place that I jokingly took back from you on our first meeting. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening. As always, I was Sandra. And I was Jess. And I was Emily. We will see you next week. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening. This is Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast with Sandra, Jess, and Emily. And you can follow us on Instagram at townmeetingpod. And email us at townmeetingpod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on Spotify and support us at buymeacoffee.com slash townmeeting. If you like, send us a message on our answering machine at anchor.fm slash townmeetingpod and click message. Thank you again. We appreciate all of you.